You're listening to the All Youth Podcast, where we talk about creativity and expression as a young person in the UK. On today's episode, I talk with London-based rap artist, T. Peters. How you doing, man? What's up, man? You good? I'm very, very well. It's good to hear from you because it's been a minute. I know. You know what? It actually has. Last time I saw, I saw you, what, was it two years ago? Cast I reckon it was probably rough, rough trade gig. That was it it, 2018, isn't it? Because that's crazy that time flies. Like, for me, oh, when I saw you, like, I have a picture of you, like, in my head, like, doing the camera, and I'm just watching Archie perform. And yeah, it yeah. feels like the, it was a sick. The energy was just live. The shots you took were just great. It was a good, it was a good day, but it's weird that time just Thank flew so much. much. It's so it's so strange, and also it's. I was talking about this um, recently with a friend of mine about like my my parents will say, "Are you still in contact with that person from then or whatever?" Mm. And it's always for me like, "Yeah, I'm still in contact with them." Like pretty much all of the people creatively from from those days a couple of years ago, starting to get into the nut scene, mm. I'm I'm still sort of in contact with them. You know, I'm still looking at the Tomb Raiders, especially music. Um, and every everyone like where people have gone to and what people are doing now. It's so cool to see where everyone's gone. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's great. Like it feels like yesterday, but so much has happened in that. Yeah, that yeah. one that one metaphorical day. So it's good. It's good. And you you were only in Nottingham for a few years, right? Because you you came to uni. Yeah, I was only here for uni. What um, was it? Just Nottingham Uni, and what what degree were you doing? Yeah, I went to, to uni of nuts, and um, I was in English with creative writing. I um, which was basically the whole of English, like the whole of the topic, but mm. with the addition of being a better writer. So like we learned from anything from how a child develops language to the usual stuff like analyzing Shakespeare and then obviously writing poetry and learning how people do that so it's really interesting in that sense yeah I mean big up child language acquisition it's a, it's a good topic yeah. it's a very deep topic yeah oh you know about it like that I do a little bit for my I did a, a native and English language okay just completed because of COVID so I, I I did a little bit in that jeez okay okay it's it's a so you moved back to London, what a, a year ago now, a little less than that, but yeah, yeah, not quite and you, recently. Did you grow up in London as well? Then yeah, I was born in Peckham, and um, haven't left other than for that one the uni times. Right, so I imagine that was like a big a big change. Yeah, man. Like I literally didn't know what I was doing. I finished my A levels under the impression that I was going to get like okay results and also under the impression that I wasn't going to go to uni because I wanted to do marketing and then Mm. I got my grades I got my grades but I didn't get the marketing internships and that that I wanted so when I got really really good grades from what I thought I went to chat to my brother um and he said use this use these results and go to the best uni um, for your topic of choice and that's what I did I just googled and searched in like that one day for the best uni to do with English and um, I came to Nottingham and yeah I told my mum I'm going to uni and she only had like a week or two to prepare <laughs> like she was she wow. thought I was staying and yes I don't know how I managed to pull that off without getting nervous or anything I just did it like I just went with it and then it was only when I got to Nottingham I was like okay cool I'm not in London no more so yeah <laughs> I mean at least it's a step down like normally it's you know the we're not in Kansas anymore step up to a big city mm. Nottingham's you know ever ever so slightly smaller it's like a mini London to me like a lot of the areas that I've lived in feel, feels mm. like home in a way um, yeah no I, I feel that yeah and especially around sort of those musical places that you were you were playing, like you know, I saw on your Instagram Peggy Skylight, which is a fantastic venue in Nottingham. Yeah, um, Jam Cafes around the corner, and you've got um, you know all all sorts of different places that that you've played in Nottingham. Yeah, it's great, man. Nice. So what it's was 
what was the process like for meeting new people and meeting especially some of the great artists that you did meet, which eventually is how I got to know you? Um, the process, it was a little systematic. Like, I knew that when I came to Nottingham, I wanted to... It was... It was really... Going to Nottingham was kind of synonymous with me doing music properly. Properly as in... Right. I'm actually going to try and research my role as an artist and what I need to do. And um, yeah. I wasn't doing that before. So... And also, I just wanted to make friends in general. Like, I just want... Because it was a new city. I think I went on my own. Like, I knew nobody, really. So, for me, going to Nottingham was a fresh start in all forms. So, I made sure that um, everyone I met really was related to my interests. Because, you know, when they were in school, you it's like a melting pot of everyone. Um, yeah. But now, I could actually find people like I could go to societies for example like all for hip-hop music so I joined that I went to town went to a lot of open mics to meet other artists and what people were doing with music in the area um that was really my main prerogative when I was there and like it helped it did help a lot like I met my one of my best friends and kind of pseudo manager uh cuisine through doing that like we were in the same course at English and he was like I noticed him and I was just like yo I don't I, I came obviously I was young and I didn't really know how to kind of sell myself <laughs> but I was like yo bro yeah. check me out on Instagram and I had to him to this stranger <laughs> and he told me he didn't like me for that at first but over time we became really really good friends that I talked to now and that's how I met most of my friends in Nottingham, just going up to them and just being like, yo, what's your name? I'm an artist now. I make music and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it worked. It actually worked. And I met some of my closest friends through doing that. But generally, um, yeah, that's how I really met everyone. And Archie came about in the same way, just me going to a lot of open mics that people were running, Archie, KG, the Tomb Raiders, all of these different people. It was yeah. just through talking to people yeah massively i mean that's that's a great lesson in sort of being able to move to somewhere completely new thinking okay clean slate i can be whoever i want to be now i'm tp to the artist you know i can network and really market myself as an artist mm. exactly man exactly. and that worked because you went on to release music what was the first sort of start to releasing music that you you came on to the first start to releasing music uh well at the in the very beginning i mean i was already kind of releasing music on soundcloud but again mm. not to the level i wanted but when i got to uni i just ended up meeting people who would help me on the journey people like this guy jay strings there's different producers and artists that kind of were able to facilitate knowledge and um inspiration really i've always been a do-it-yourself yeah. guy anyway like i bought i made my own studio from when i was in school so i already had the equipment and stuff like that um but it was when i got to uni that i kind of met people who were also doing that and that kind of made me more inspired to work on music and release it because then I had people who would actually listen to it. Um, I had a lot of friends yeah. online as well because I, at first I didn't know anybody in real life who did music so I talked to SoundCloud and made a bunch of friends there. There I met people like this guy Epiphania who was just had like 10 followers on some SoundCloud at the time for like this jazz song he had. Men singing a couple other people and I messaged them and we just became cool and we just send each other ideas. So, yeah, making music from home was my method, really. And just the internet and that network I had at uni helped me. Really and truly. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like, so you had that studio, you decided to go out the way and I assume spend a load of money on making a studio for yourself at home. But you weren't, properly using it until you started you know coming to nottingham yeah was there any reason that you like you know you were thinking okay i'm gonna buy all this stuff and then i'll have it and all of a sudden i'll start releasing music what was the stopping point for that of, of being like oh actually you know 
well actually not releasing yeah like whilst whilst you were still in school you still had the studio but you oh. weren't releasing music oh no i was definitely i was releasing like all the time <laughs> but oh i just didn't have the quality yet and i was still building the studio like i hadn't had a mic so i was recording on my iphone 4s and mixing mm. in audacity i was doing things to make it work but i still wasn't sounding how i wanted to sound yet i didn't have the people that could help me get to where i wanted to be it was just yeah. me my phone and little beats on youtube so it was only when i got to uni and i realized the value of meeting people talking to people and finding out how i can do things that i really was able to properly start do you know what i mean um yeah definitely yeah. and i couldn't agree more with like so i Oh, I'm almost have a, a similar story. So I grew up in a small town mm. um, in the neighboring city, in the neighboring smaller city to Nottingham, even outside of that city. So I'm like an hour away from Nottingham. But all nice. my musical contacts and people that I discovered around the same time as you within that same scene was doing the same stuff. So, you know, creating online friends and then meeting up with them in real life, going to open mics. Um, going to you know peggy skylight um and the jam cafe mm. and those sorts of spots and just introducing myself um and hopping up whenever i could yeah man it's great like when you can do stuff like that like putting yourself out there i think is the biggest skill that somebody can have as an artist some people do it mm. really outwardly like i did at first i just say yeah i'm the guy you should follow me and it works sometimes but now i value just just making connections with people that have the same energy as you rather than forcing an energy. So like, for example, yeah. um, even now my main people, since I started doing music again, the proper properly, since I started doing music, like as T Peters, like the people I worked with back then hasn't really changed to now. And that was five years ago because those are the people that really I stuck with and that stayed around and we vibes off each other's energy all the time. And we just make, have fun making music together. Like I really value that. I think that's the best advice I could give to artists. Just really look for people that make working fun because everybody wants to work on yeah. whatever they want to work on. But having fun doing it is like a special thing that you actually have control over sometimes if, if you're an artist. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think finding people that are actually going to have a good time in the studio and actually going to have a good time when you're creating is probably more important than finding someone that you think, oh, that's great, if the vibe's not there. Exactly. So I want to talk about as well, um, your album art has always really struck me as being something that stands out to you. Thank you, man. (laughs) No no worries. So where... and, And it's like an illustration style that appeared on the Journey EP... Uh, and also type when that was released as a uh, as a single. Yeah, where did that come from? Um, firstly, just thank you in it because I was thinking about this last month, and I was thinking, oh, <laughs> I'm not really the guy to be going like to be to be saying my, what accolades I have or not have. So, yeah. but in my head, I was thinking, oh man, my art right now is really sick, and hey. I hope one day somebody goes. You know, T. Peters was one of the guys with really nice art on his on his music, but I don't feel like <laughs> anyone said that yet because I'm I'm new, which is fine. But it was just cool to hear that from you now. Um, no worries, man. Yeah, man. The art style again, it just comes from having an eye out for talent. Like I don't. It, it, this like for, for for example, the the journey EP. I don't remember how it came about. But there's a girl who was like, just she was just drawing on the internet. She was like this 14 year old just drawing like pictures on Tumblr. And I just liked the art style. And so I messaged her somehow. And we just came up with a brief and a concept for the art. I gave her my idea. We're having this girl called Galaxy Girl who would be the main character of this storyline. And her face would be the cover art behind space like the galaxy mm. and like she just brought it to life like and i didn't even know who she was we just started working on it she just felt it she just felt the vibe and um 
I lost her her contact details. I have no idea where she is right now for some reason. I think she changed her name and that's why I can't find her. But um, we were working together for like a good year or and a bit on different arts. We have some unreleased ones as well, which were cool. I just like that art, those type of art because it's like, I loved anime when I was growing up, as I was growing up. Um, like Japanese animation always just, it's eccentric and it's, it's pretty to look at. And you can say so much with an art style that isn't really super realistic because it's not real. You can you can put whatever you want in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a fan of that and I'm a fan of minimalism as well. Generally, I like minimal stuff, like not too much stuff happening in the art. Just like, it just looks nice. It just looks pretty. And that's what I feel like is the theme of most of my cover arts. So yeah, that's really how the journey one came about. I mean, it's good to know that you you were thinking that and then it manifested in in reality that's that's such a cool thing to happen mm-hmm. and i do mean it is you've got some really great album covers i think and, and obviously singles i think ugly is probably my favorite one um it oh, goes along that more man. minimalist look um we've got like a photo of you some plants in the way nice bold title ugly and a white border okay. and that to date is probably your most listened to song right yeah. That's sitting at, damn, 17,000 views. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy, fam. It's actually crazy. I did the art myself, actually. Well, me and Epiphania, I took the picture, like, in my grandma's <laughs> kitchen on my phone. And then I knew it was sick. I just set it to Epiphania, who produces, and also does graphic design. And it just slapped on the, the, the text and the border. And we had the art that easy, like... Just stuff like that. I'm because I, I come. I started as a photographer. Like I kind of just I capture simple things that look nice, like a face yeah. behind a tree. Just looks cool sometimes with good lighting. So yeah, but ugly as a song, yeah, it's my biggest, and I didn't even think it would be my biggest. I thought it was going to be my least received song ever. To be honest, wow. I released it at the same time as another song called Peckham Valley Park. And I thought Pick and Ride Park was going to be the tune. I was going on like, yeah, this is sick. This is sick. I I, I'm a, I go to gym now. I'm working out. I've got a story to tell <laughs> with the song. So I've come from this small guy to this. It's everything around the tune in my head was going, yeah, this is the song. Everyone's going to love it. And all my yeah. efforts and money probably went into Pick and Ride Park. Meanwhile, the label at Funk, who I released Ugly with, were like, you know what? ugly is the tune my friend that you're gonna it's when we drop it you're gonna see and um yeah it dropped i shared peck on vi park it was okay it was an all right release it's definitely not my most popular song i like the song a lot but it's not my most popular one whereas ugly on the other hand really kind of took off for me and and let me elevate my music to the next level because that was the song that got me on capital extra that was the song that got me on a couple playlists, not official Spotify ones, but really big influencer playlists. And just, yeah. it just became an anthem that people still, when they talk about me, they tell me, oh, I love your song Ugly today. Whereas no one mentions Pekka White Park and it's okay. It's just like, it's just funny. It's just funny how the plan isn't always what it seems to be. Yeah, it, it, things turn out like that you know you can always think oh this this thing's gonna bang and it doesn't and it's the thing that took you know less time and less effort but that's often sod's law and it's a good thing to be able to be taught from to not you know put Mm. all your eggs in one basket yeah man yeah so for for ugly what was the writing process like for that specific song because obviously it's quite a personal song (laughs) i was i made this i made the verse and the song came out before ugly even came out I made a song on another project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was called, uh, I don't remember what it was called, Coffin Season by Nebula. And I had a feat and I had my own song on that project. And I just used a random instrumental I found on SoundCloud. And I was just saying, I basically said the first verse of Ugly in that song. And that's how the song really started for me. And I wrote that verse. It was like, oh, it was a Valentine's song. So I wrote it to my girlfriend at the time. And then... Mm. When it came to July, when I was making it ugly, 
I used that verse again now on this official release because I wanted to make a song. That beat, when Epiphany sent me the beat, it made me feel like, wow, I feel good when I listen to this beat. I want to say something that makes me feel good. Like, yeah. of course she loves me. How could I be ugly? This, it's just, It was a chant that just came to my head and I was like, wow, you know what? Of course she loves me. I'm wavy. I'm sick. I'm everything that I want to be. Um, mm. So that's really why I made the song. I made the song so that I could really believe in myself more. And it was also a song for me to say, T, like, do you have nothing to feel insecure about? You have the girlfriends, you have this, you have that. You're the guy. Not just as like a reminder for when I felt like I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, mm. that's really what Ugly's for for me was just a self-affirmation song. Even in the second verse, it kind of goes off that topic of talking about girls. Now it's talking about music-wise and me talking to the people and saying, I got the phone from Koji, he says, where's the songs? That bar was just me going like, and you, <laughs> it was, so the artist is called Koji Radical and... Yeah. He was like my he's like one of he was one of my inspirations musically in terms of being an artist. Like while I I wouldn't say that he inspires me in how I make my music per se, him as a person always was so like confident and eccentric. It made me feel yeah. good watching him perform. And so one day he said to me, Ah, oh, I saw him after a concert that somebody else did and he came up to me and was like T where's the music at I need the music he just said that to me and I was like wow you're saying this to me <laughs> things like that was why I made ugly because it was for me to say all of these things have happened in my life how could I feel less than less than human you know what I mean so that's what the yeah. writing process was really just me just splashing out everything I could on a song so yeah that's such a great story and also Massive ma name drop right there, KJ Radical. Yeah, man. Yeah. He's he's so sick. I mean, I remember seeing him for the first time on Colors. Mm. He performed Cashmere Tears, which was already sort of in my playlist, but his his name wasn't floating around. It was just that sort of that that song from the album. Um, yeah. And then since then, after watching the Colors, I I thought this guy's so good, and his his energy in it was insane. Mm -hmm. How did you meet him? Um, that came from me being a videographer. I was a YouTuber before I was doing music properly. I was kind of doing music, but I was also making YouTube videos and reviewing music. And so mm. I just start my first two videos was a review of Loyal Kana, one of his songs, and then a review of a Koji Radical song called 700 Pennies. And I did that video and I started getting like, I only got like three comments on that video, but the three comments were so passionate that I was thinking, who are these people? Someone then said yeah. to me in the comments, yo, give me a number. And I was like, who's a stranger asking me to give me their number? <laughs> gave them, I gave it to them anyway. They called me up. I get this gruff voice and he's like, yo, you too, yeah? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I said, I saw your video. Just so you know, I'm Koji Radical's brother. And mm -hmm. I just really, me and my family have been talking about you because we've all come across your videos randomly just by chance. We didn't even talk to each other about you. We just found you and we just could tell that you really enjoyed his music and you really went in, analysed it and reviewed it and really studied his music, he said to me. And he just told me to keep going and there's not many people like me doing it. And I didn't continue doing YouTube, regardless. <laughs> I wanted to do music. Mm. Um, but it was off that interaction that Koji Radical ended up contacting me himself and said to me yo t come to my listening party for my new album so i came so i went down i took a train from nottingham to london i told my friend to if she wants to come with me and we went to his private listening party in the boiler room location i think and um yeah from then i filmed him as a, as a videographer that day and i kind of just that's how I met him. And that was kind of an instigator for a lot of things in my life. Like after that, I became a proper videographer, like a freelance one. Mm. And I filmed artists like Little Pump, a lot of cl big, big clubs in Nottingham, like this one called Hunts It's 91, a couple cool places. Like, but that was all beginning from, from that. Wow. That's such a fantastic story. And as well, 
for those who don't know KJ Radical, go and check him out. He's he's sitting at six hundred and ten thousand monthly listeners. Um, some absolutely brilliant tracks, and I think he's this year is definitely going to be his year. Um, he released an album. I th- yeah, he released an album, Cashmere Tears, in twenty nineteen, which was which was brilliant. You mentioned Lil Pump. There's there's a fat name drop. What happened there? Fam, like, <laughs> so that was um, yeah, I was doing the runs as a videographer mm. for the whole of uni on top of music. So I wasn't really just an artist yet. I was, I thought, let me learn from the best if I'm gonna do music, and let me get some money because. <laughs> With my with my talents because I knew that I'd been filming videos since I was like fourteen as a YouTuber. I was like doing reviews of TV shows and anime, and um, it taught me how to to edit. So I thought, let me take that skill and apply it to musicians. And I know for a fact people need music videos, people need their events covered. I'm gonna buy a camera, and I'm gonna do that. So that's what I did. I got a camera and I was kind of just filming everyone I could. Like, it was weird. It was a weird space. Like, I was meeting people that was enabling me to go to London and film massive 2,000 venue clubs. And then I'd go to Nottingham and then there was a little open mic I was doing. One day I went to... I knew someone. I knew someone in Nottingham. So I only went to my uni. And he needed a videographer on his team. Um, I won't say what this team was for the company, um, just because I'm not sure he wants it out there. But they do a lot of cool things. They film a lot of A-list celebrities and work with a lot of A-list celebrities, should I say. And he wanted me to be the guy because he said, I see what you're doing and I see your work ethic. And I think you'd be great for the team. And for me to be told that he called me up and said, can we go for a meeting? And he took me to this special building in my uni that was like secret to me. I didn't even know about it. The only person who told, the only reason why I did know about it was because my boy, who's a businessman, told me that he got, he filled in the application and he was accepted into this building. This is a building in the uni where like, if you own a business, you go there and they give you all the resources you need to be successful in it. So I was in this place yeah. and I had my cup of coffee in my hand and these two guys are in front of me like, yo T, we want you to be the guy. Here's our pitch. And he's showing me, he's telling me things like, yeah, we've got this artist's demo. The big, like some of the biggest artists that I know, he was telling me, yeah, we've got their contact there. We can do this easy. And it was real. It was real stuff. And he said to me, after telling me, basically do you want to be the guy he said do you want to be the guy and I just said yeah I do still without knowing how I was going to do it and um the first gig Mm. in that little job was little pump he was coming to Nottingham and he wanted me to be the official guy to video it and um I was there and I needed a friend with me because I knew that despite him saying to me that I know you can do it I know you can do it I knew that if I was going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. So I'm going to need a team around me. So who did I get in that little one day that I had to flip in decide? Yeah. I got Archie Stephen, who's also my boy from Nottingham, to come with me. And Archie is just the nicest guy I know. Like he's a rapper as well, but he's also a videographer. He's a similar, had a similar journey to me in that sense. And I kind of yeah. trusted him as to be my, my right hand in that, on that day. So, um, yeah, that's what happened, man. Me and him, we went to Rock City and I was just chatting to, I think it was Drake's videographer, um, I was told, and a couple other people that were quite big. And I was there, I was backstage, accidentally hit Little Pump in the nose by accident with a door. <laughs> His whole crew surrounded him. I took him away to the, to back into the room to quickly let him recover quick before he went on stage. Then I went onto the stage, did a little video, had everybody like screaming, yeah, because I had the Instagram out in it. And yeah. it was mad. It was mad. But it was also <laughs> the scariest. And it was also the end of my journey as a videographer. It was the end mm. because, yeah. If you want to know, I can let you know. I don't know if I'm talking for too much. No, no, it's it's great story. I mean, that would be the ultimate place to steal the orcs, to be honest, and then pop on Trust ugly. Me. 
And I didn't even know Archie was involved in that because um, I, I also have had Arch on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I knew him, uh, God, from like four years ago from YouTube, actually, from him just putting out little um, like summer edits and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was looking to start learning how to edit because I was also getting into that freelance game and getting into doing little yeah. promotional videos and promotional photography. Uh-huh. But oh, that that little pump story is such a such a banger. That's the key for those. Trust man. Trust me. It's such a lucky position to be in as well. Like the odds of that. Yeah. It was crazy, fam. It was crazy. And I, I, I generally thought that I was generally questioning it made me realise that I didn't want to be a videographer, but it made me really happy in terms of how far I'd come in it. Because mm. I had a convo with my friend at the time, like, and Archie, because for me, this guy, his name was he said to me, um, if you do this, you could, you're probably going to be travelling around the world to shoot artists. We'll have to flag you out. Yeah. You would have to do your degree, but really kind of put your head down and really become the best. And... It felt stupid to say no, but at the same time, it didn't. I didn't say no to him, by the way. It kind of just didn't fall through fully for whatever reason. Yeah. But I have a feeling I was prepared to say no because I kind of knew I wanted to kind of take the artist route. And something happened on that mm. little pump day that really sh- that really confirmed it for me. Because when I was shooting him, somebody dashed a grenade <laughs> on the stage. And like a smoke grenade, everyone was mm. coughing. I had to evacuate the building. I left my equipment downstairs. So you can imagine, like, I couldn't go back to get the equipment when someone, my life is under pressure. So I had to leave my equipment on stage, not my camera, but like little other things, only worth like £40 or something like that. And then the next day, I went back to Rock City to get back the equipment because the police, the Environmental Protection Agency came to kind of you know, clear the air, literally. And um, I went back, and Rock City gave my equipment back to, they gave my equipment away to the guy who was shooting Drake that I mentioned earlier, basically. They gave my equipment to him because they thought he was the guy that owned my equipment. And I lost, I couldn't film. I wasn't going to be able to film unless I coughed up the money to continue filming. And I thought, you know what? It's peak that this has happened, but I'm not that upset because now... There's nothing stopping me from doing music properly and really putting my effort and time into it. Now I don't have a another thing, another basket or another egg, shall I say. And that's how I started getting into really making music. I wouldn't have made Ugly if that never happened. So there's no regrets. And uh, that's that's what happened, man. <laughs> Damn. That's fate right there. Yeah. That's. I mean, it's it's lucky that it turned out that way, but also I think... Even if it had, like you say, even if it had transpired and even if it had come to fruition, this whole videography thing, you still would have gone, you know, if my heart's not in it, I'm not going to do it. And you're going to go down the music route instead. I yeah. think that's such a commendable thing to to think to yourself, even if, you know, that, that never happened. Yeah. At this point, uh, we're going to take a really, really short break. We'll be back in just a second with T. Peters. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and see you in a sec. And we're back with T. Peters. You just told the most amazing story about about the Lil Pump thing, um, videography, and also just deciding to choose the path that was right for you, the path that you were most passionate about. Since then, you've done the sickest collaboration. And I saw this on your Instagram. Um, I was looking at your highlights in preparation for this interview. And I saw a Nando's collaboration, which feels so random. What the hell was going on there? That was, um, they put up a, like, a call out for artists. They said, Mm. we want to have artists team up with people from 
uh, South Africa and Australia on a project and I saw it in 2018 and I didn't do it I didn't follow through with it for some reason I think I had two things no I did it I applied for it and they wanted me to do it but instead I took on a marketing internship and it was an okay decision (laughs) I can't say I can't I can't I don't regret anything in it but Mm. That marketing internship that I did in Seven Nando's thing is another reason why I became an artist. Because if you remember, I said at the start I wanted to do marketing when I went instead of going to uni. Yeah, I finally got an internship from one of the biggest companies that would let me do that, and I did not like it. I was bored. I was bored. You catch me hiding in a toilet on my phone one day, mm. maybe like, and it just wasn't for me. So. I remember that time, a year later, last year, basically. And um, I did it again. I did my application again. I sent them a demo. I sent them No Stress, a song I made, but it wasn't the song. It was like a new, like a, a version that I produced myself. And yeah. they seemed to like it. They called me in. And the whole idea was that, yeah, I would work with people that they flew out from South Africa and uh, Australia and we would basically try and make some songs that they could use in their playlists in the in the restaurants. It was a great experience. Yeah, it was a great experience. We had free Nando's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They gave me, <laughs> yeah, it was it was lit. I met so many cool people through that, and um, even got free studio time with them in the. They yeah. have a, they have one studio in London, in the restaurant like inside the restaurant. They have a little studio that artists use that they book artists for. So I was just, while people were just eating their food, I was there recording <laughs> some of the songs we're going to hear this shit in the next month. So, yeah. Damn. So, how long ago was that? Last year, September. And they're, they're coming out in next month? Um. Well, yeah, Working Season, my project, is rolling out right now. So obviously my first song was Seasons, which came out yep. last month. And the next song is another one called Numeracy and then I've got a couple other ones so basically I'm trying to do it so that every month is a new single at least hopefully so yeah mm. either next month or the month after that one of those songs is going to be one of the ones I recorded while I was at Nando's eating chicken damn T. Peter's ex Nando's chicken field music <laughs> literally man <laughs> <laughs> I've got to admit I've, I've never had a Nando's wait what Letha, what's going yeah, on? Don't, <laughs> don't shoot me. I've never had a Nando's. Ah, uh, that has never. changed. See, bro. I don't. I don't eat meat, so the only thing I can have is like halloumi and shit. Listen, I've had the halloumi burger. It's not. I've had everything on that menu before. Yeah. Before I even did that kind of, I was eating the other other stuff. I had. There's some. Yeah, you're gonna stuff. say that though. You're gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, man. Yeah, nah. Listen, trust me. After this, I'll give you the recommendations if you want in it. Um, yes yeah send me over so that was the nando's collaboration um you mentioned also a track called peck and rye pack park yeah yeah or park park sorry not pack um and that at the end has uh an amazing 15 second monologue about resistance and sort of a personification of resistance in that as a as artists oftentimes we struggle with resistance um so badly that it almost becomes its own thing, you know? And yeah. there was a great line at the end of it, um, which was, you were your best friend and resistance will try and make you forget that. Mm. I just thought that was such a brilliant line um, and wondered whether you want to sort of elaborate on that idea of the personification of resistance. You're your best friend and resistance. Yeah. Um, man, that like that that ending was like... I don't know if it was even planned. I'm trying to remember. I just, as you were saying that, I was thinking, oh, Resistance, wait, do I even know that song still? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a quick look on my phone where I write all the lyrics and stuff and there's like no trace of that that piece on my phone. Wow. It's almost as if I was just feeling a vibe and decided to, to freestyle some words that I felt were, were important. So, I mean, yeah, with that... 
that monologue in general like i just know that what that song means to me is was made to kind of make you push harder than what you think you can do you know yeah like i met a guy while i was at uni me and cuisine we was um we used to go to the gym. We had a gym in our in our accommodation, and I was falling off working out. Um, I was falling off working out, and I met a guy who was just so so on it in terms of fitness, and he would say things like, "There's no such thing as as you can't do something. There's always a way." He was just that type of guy. It was really really corny but it was really yeah really inspiring and it reminded me of when i was a little younger when i was like 17 and how i used to go to the park every single day to work out with like 10 20 people we had like a little community in peckham where like we would call it squad and we would go there on a saturday morning or whatever day and just work out doing calisthenics which is like bodyweight exercises and I was just yeah. like this little seventeen-year-olds with all these big 25, 30 year olds Even those like even like a fifty-year-old there, working out hard, going in, and that was like my first introduction to discipline and commitment. Because before that, I hadn't committed to much other than maybe YouTube and videos, and you know what I mean. Like I didn't have like a club that I'd go to. Like some people go to to guitar lessons and stuff like that. This was that for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's what this was. So that monologue was just kind of an accumulation of everything that all of those types of people have ever said to me or have made me feel like I came from someone with flappy arms and all of a sudden I was able to drain and compete with the older guys in that group, for example, who was so strong. I was able to do what they could do, if not more. I was there doing one-up pull-ups, one-arm pull-ups with them. And it made me feel like, wow, look how far we've come from someone who didn't even think I could even lift myself up with my legs. Mm. I don't know. So, yeah, that's what the song is. I think that's that's such a great point on motivation as well, like surrounding yourself with people that are going to push you to go harder, going to really push you to hit your limit and then go beyond that really. Yeah. Um, and also creating a sense of community. That sounds like such a great thing to do with Peck and Rye Park um, mm. of having those other people there that are going to, you know, push you and make you go harder. Um, and speaking of which, when you were saying, you know, the type of guy that would say there is no limit, anything you want to do, you can go and do it. Mm. Um, reminded me of uh, Gary V, who's an influencer. I've mentioned him before on the podcast, but also, I know that you're you're someone who's listened to his stuff before and listened to his sort of teachings. He's such a character, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. What What was sort of the first interaction that you had with him, and do Do you still listen to his stuff? Um. I don't anymore, actually. Strangely enough, I don't know what stopped, what changed, but it's recent, to be honest. Gary V mm. is like the first guy to. To show me what marketing really was, for example, when I was doing that internship, it all felt so bland because it was a side of the, the role that had no heart to it, in a way. It was like just putting words into a document so that when you go on Google, you'd see it. And that's yeah. all I was doing. But Gary V made stuff exciting. He would talk and tell you stories through his videos. You know what I mean? That's what he would do. And he sold himself to me. I bought his book, yeah. one of his books. I was watching his videos constantly. He taught me about the importance of documentation which was key for me as a videographer at the time, who actually just got a camera so I could record myself, to be honest. So for him to say, yeah, document yourself, and just kind of telling me, like, that's what he was doing. Like, he was motivating yep. me to, to to really do what I wanted to do. Um, So yeah, on like the marketing side, he was there. But then as a person, he was so influential to me because it's like, 
it was like, I think I was probably going to use a Gary V quote if it wasn't going to be my own quote in Peckham Vi Park. Because that's what I was listening to at the time. I just wanted, I was constantly watching his videos and fueling, my, fueling myself off of Gary V's content so that I would have the energy to, to do stuff. You know what I mean? And um, Yeah, definitely. But one thing he always says is, I don't want you watching my videos after this one. He always says, this is the last video I yeah. want you to watch. And I kind of, yeah. t- I've taken that seriously because there's only so much inspiration you can really take before you're just kind of feeding yourself sweets and mm. candy. So um, I highly recommend anybody, like, they study Gary V and what he says, but also studies him as a character so that when you, once you've taken his message, it's kind of embedded into you. Like, it kind of isn't me. Like, yeah, yeah, man. yeah I, you, I definitely get that as well. How did you find him? Um, God, I think probably I I found him three years ago when I mm. saw him on Joe Rogan's podcast. It oh, was yeah. a, also a big inspiration for me to start this. Um, but you know, for like a more localized version where I I speak to young UK based creatives because that's you know something that I know more about. Mm. And uh, I saw him on there. I was like, who is this? small New York, you know, fast talking, cheeky, effing and blinding guy, um, dressed like a hipster with a beanie on, but he's 50. (laughs) So I watched the episode and I was like, this guy is brilliant. He just has so much energy. Um, And I I do get what you mean. Like every now and then when I'm doing something, like when I'm working on the podcast, um, emailing and scheduling emails for loads of different people like aspirational people as well as people that i know and dming about i hear him in my head like swearing at me and going like you know you gotta market where the people are and things like that <laughs> and it's definitely true what you said about you know having listening to someone when you need them not you know getting sucked into the youtube recommended hole yeah and going down and watching all of the videos because then you're just wasting time like you know use him for a little pick me up when you need more inspiration and then build his build his ideas and his character into your head so that eventually you know you become you become one yeah fam exactly it's good i mean there's there's quite a lot of stuff out there with now especially we like improvement and business and marketing that's free mm-hmm there is a lot. Do you there reckon a there's a lot of value that people can get just from, you know, going online, going on YouTube? Yeah, man. Like <laughs> me, like I've never had someone do things for me, really. I've had people mm. work with me or work for me, but not with not not without my understanding or input because everything that I've learned has been online everything almost i'm all i get annoyed it's one of my one of my biggest flaws is that i get annoyed at people for asking me questions sometimes because i think to myself fam just ask just answer the thing on google it's just there on google and you know what yeah. i mean like everything's just there obviously sometimes there's a guy right in front of you who can give you the answers sometimes it's okay to sometimes ask him for the answer if he's right in front of you but sometimes I don't know, I've always just been the guy now just to go, everything you need is in your hand, whether it's on your phone or your laptop. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. we live in a time like no other where you can get pretty much any information almost instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I'm sure people's things like spelling and immediate like memory and things like that uh, are starting to fade just because we don't need to remember all these crazy facts. Trust. Like I remember being a kid and you know like reading Guinness Book of World Records and stuff like that, mm. and now that's pretty much completely out of the way because you know you just Google any world record that you want, you know, Google any information that you need. Fam, it's crazy. It's like we've become one with the machines that we're using in like a a symbiotic way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, bro, the biggest that, that's my phone and my computer is my ultimate. My ultimate tool. I was thinking about it today because I was, I was thinking, oh man, I don't even know how I thought about it, but I was just thinking like, my laptop is my biggest asset. I, I'm always gonna want to have a good laptop because a good laptop means I can do so much. I have a good laptop because it's allowing me to make good music. 
because it's giving me the the software that I need. And then also on the other hand, having a laptop like that is fast. I Meaning I can Google things quickly and get all the information I need efficiently and quick without having to go to the library and get a book. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything's yeah. just there. And it's, it's so, so, so... I honestly, right as of now, as of today anyway, my opinion might change, but I think the biggest investment someone who's a creative can make is to get a good laptop and just become a bit savvy with that because once you have one, a computer, everything is in your hands. I'd say I I completely agree, but also I'd say laptop takes second place for me behind oh, yeah? self-improvement. Mm. Like the most the most valuable thing that you can do with time and also money to an extent, you know, is go out and look for information that is that has the best um sort of least loss in efficiency. So you know how like like a boiler will have an efficiency rate because so much, you know, heat gets lost by the energy gets lost by like sound and not heat or whatever. Yeah. Um I think there are brilliant low friction ways um that you can that you can spend your time and use that time to sort of find different things that can help you self-improve so like books for example are a really low friction way because you can carry them around wherever you want mm. um finding good resources online for self-improvement and that sort of thing first you got to home your craft but then i'd say yeah laptop is is definitely up there i'm probably more important than a phone you can do more that's it though isn't it like for me it's time someone said this to me someone said it's time money and effort is a triangle for your success in it you can have two of those yeah. things and you'll get to wherever you want to be. For me, like I, I, I've had the, the the bad technology in it. So I know what you mean, 100%, like in terms of having to just look at yourself and what you can do in it. That takes mm. time and it takes effort and it takes no money because maybe you don't have the money to buy like the most expensive, great stuff in it. Um, but, but that's why I'm saying like, I think the moment, I mean, I say good laptop, I just mean one that works well in it. For example, mm. any piece of technology in it. I think one of the best things you can have is once you have money is a laptop because then it becomes, you you have the choice to control that triangle that I mentioned because now you've invested your money to allow yeah. you to spend more time on something that you don't have to put as much like maybe physical effort in because now I don't have to go and buy a book go to the library and walk all the way there and back just to get some a quick bit of information do you know what I mean whereas or mm. on the other hand you have the money and now you're going to put the effort in to improve yourself because now you're going to use your whatever technology you got whether it's your phone or whatever to now contact the find contacts that you would never be able to reach as easily like people from abroad people from across the world and stuff like that you can now find them on the internet social media whatever what you want and actually reach out to them and or just get a course <laughs> just get a course and watch it from home because now you have a tool for that that's why it's really one of my favorite things really it's crazy and i think we can see like a lot of influence and a lot of wealth being generated now from this sort of redistribution of information mm. like there was at one point where you've got like all of this information that's held by top people that's held by the wealthiest few or the elite within a certain subject mm -hmm. and now you're starting to see that sort of trickle down to the rest of people that are first starting out in that yeah um and that's that's such a beautiful thing because that means that now more than ever it's cream of the crop rises to the top like anyone can become a rapper because everyone has a microphone in their phone Anyone can become a writer because they have a keyboard on their phone, but not everyone can be successful because it's cream of the crop rise to the top. Mm -hmm. So even more like emphasis is put on master your craft, get really good at it, put work out when you're good, bad and awful and eventually you're going to succeed. Mm -hmm. Facts, bro. So also I wanted to talk to you about um, this thing that I saw on your Instagram, the OT fund. What was going on there? What's what's the story behind that? Um, I just applied, really. But you know what, actually? So I, with that, basically, I saw it on the internet. Um, 
saw on the internet and I really wanted to do something at the time because I had a friend that had committed suicide and I said, wow, I didn't really feel anything like that. Like I did, I wasn't going through those type of emotions that you typically would like crying, being, you know what I mean? For me, I'm, I responded to it by going, I need to work more still. I need to do this and this so that like my life is meaningful and life and just to show that how important life is you know what i mean like life just had a bit more value to value to me and um i saw they were posting a call out for people who wanted to do something with money um something to do with mental health and music and i thought to myself this is perfect because my friend was a poet her name was omajola she loved like poetry and music music that I kind of make now a lot of my favorite artists that we will talk about in were in London and like that was her thing so for me I was like you know it would be cool if I applied for this money and I made an event so that I could do three things I could learn more about mental health so I could understand maybe why people kill themselves why people get depressed why people do this and that um and I would do that and I would also create a space so that people who make music and well anything creative to be honest had a chance to express themselves and share their experience and I was going to document that so that's why I applied for it and my idea initially was to make a documentary it was to Mm. make a concert and yeah the reason for the documentary was because I was like I said, it was a knowledge-based part where I wanted to learn more. So I was going to document myself, got a videography crew company, production company to film me talking to some of my favourite artists and we would kind of do a podcast type of format and I would just learn about mental health through them, through just talking to people on top of me obviously doing research behind the scenes. So that was that side. Mm. Um, the footage didn't fully finish, but I had the podcast. It was called The Your Journey Podcast which you can check out on SoundCloud and Spotify and stuff. But that we recorded that. And then we also did the show, which was me and my first ever live band. We rehearsed from like November all the way into February for this show where I would do songs based on mental health. And um, yeah, it was really cool. It was a, the, one of the more de- things that really helped me develop as a person, being able to learn about that broaden my horizons and then write about it too and also got to perform with my first proper show ever to be honest so yeah that sounds like a great opportunity so i mean shout out to o2 for you know letting that happen and creating something that's to do with mental health i think mental health is so it's such a tragic situation with a lot of young people especially and young creatives Mm. um because i think it, it it hits majority people are who are creative um but only because those are the people often who are most in touch sort of with their their sensitive side um if we switch gears now um i want to ask you what sort of things we can expect from you in the next few months sort of musically what sort of direction are you looking to take cool well for me Last year, I started a series called Working Season, which started with Ugly. Mm. As soon as I did Ugly, I was like, cool. You know what? This is the tune that's slapping. And I said I made it for myself at first. And I kind of realised that that song didn't belong to me anymore quite quickly. From the moment people started receiving it, I could tell it was when I would perform it at shows and stuff it was a song that was becoming like an anthem for people to love themselves more. Yeah. And that made me feel good. It made me feel like, it made me feel good because I made Peckham by Park out of knowing that I'm cool. I'm, I'm calm in terms of certain things. Like my confidence isn't as low as it once was that will cripple me from doing things that I want to do. Mm. Whereas other people don't have the luxury of having that that level yet. So it was like when I made Ugly, 
that song kind of became their their chant the one where they could go yeah of course you love me how could i be ugly i'm the i'm the guy so i kind of took that energy and brought it to this year and um, i've teamed up with this guy called mensing who is a producer from germany that i met two years ago i think i didn't well i met him on soundcloud and he had like one follower and he had a beat that i liked mm. and that was it and we dropped the song i took it down it didn't last long and the thing was is that this guy mensing has just been there like he's always just been there behind the scenes even if he wasn't we were always working on something behind the scenes that just never came out he helped me with my dissertation my final university project i wanted to do was a poetry project with music where i would fuse music and and poetry to do with mental health it was that so that mental health project became like an album for my dissertation and he mm. produced that for me and no one knows this and i thought to myself no one knows this and you have such a low like audience looking no one's look, no one's really seeing him and i'm like this is crazy this guy's so talented he's sick he's sick and i'm like wow we have to work on something and so me and mensing now have made this project called working season two this is the second one where i'm gonna drop music mm. every single month for a little while until this project is done and every song that's going to drop is going to be produced by him and written by me and um all of these songs their task is simple it's just to provide a vibe a soundtrack so that the people who listen can go mm. you know what i feel good about myself after listening to this or this is the perfect song to focus down on if the lyrics aren't really doing it it will be the beat that makes you go okay i'm gonna focus on my tasks now my task i'm gonna do i'm gonna read this book i'm gonna do this homework or whatever so it's really just taking the energy from ugly and then increasing it and now seasons my recent single is well to be honest seasons is my biggest song ugly is the biggest by the number because it's been out for long but in terms of the actual impact, Seasons is the one. And I'm hoping to keep that energy going for the whole of work in Season 2. I'm 3, I'm 4, and whatever. So, yeah, that's what I'm and doing. so on and so on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's such a great thing to do as well. So, shout out to that guy, Mensing. Um, and for the people listening at home right now, you can find Working Season on Spotify. Uh, where else can people stream you? Uh, Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, these are everywhere other than, yeah, everywhere basically, more or less. Every major platform is there. You can find cool. me. So, yeah. Every major streaming platform, you can find T Peters under T E E P E T E R S. This guy is great. He's so, so talented. You have some great tracks. And I remember, I just want to end on this because I, I came to uh, a new sixth form college a couple of years ago mm. and met some new musical mates and at the time i was listening to tracks like Southside, Southside's an absolute banger that you've put out and oh, um, <laughs> they would they would do some like you know be laying down some beats and stuff and any time that i'd be feeling it and it would be in the same tempo under my breath, I'd be going as a Southside baby, Southside lady, because <laughs> oh because I loved it so much. It was just one of those bars that, like, you know, fit with so many, so many things. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to slip that in at the end there. So, oh my gosh, yeah, that's funny. Massive influence. Cheers, man, and thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you, man. Please keep it up. This is sick. I listened to the Archie one and started another one. I'm enjoying it. So keep going, fam. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. T. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll see you next week. Bye. How am I still like this? No mate, no side chick, still lurky if I'm wearing a hibis. No, never had perfect time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. My guest today was T. Peters. You can stream his music in the link in the show notes. The best way to help out the podcast is by giving us a rating on iTunes. If you want to set up a podcast just like this one, then you can use our gear list, which is also linked in the show notes. Those are Amazon affiliate links, so they'll give us a small kickback at no extra cost to you. If you know someone who would be great to come on the show, then you could submit them to alluthpodcast at gmail.com. 
That's A-L-L-Y-O-U-T-H-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at G-M-A-I-L dot com. My name is Luther M.E. Bothrell, and you can find me on Instagram at Luther M.E.B. That's L-U-T-H-E-R-M-E-B. Thank you so much for listening again, and I'll see you next week.